you don't believe in spiritual warfare, everything worked fine till about quarter to ten, then everything went out. No one touched anything, no one did anything. Didn't come back till the very end. I stopped back here at about five o'clock on Sunday night because I, I left something here. I had to stop and pick it up. And I said, let me just go up there and at least see maybe I can figure out what's happening now that there's not like a panic going on up there. And I turned everything on and it all worked fine. So it's fixed. So if you don't think that uh, there isn't spiritual war warfare going on, that's, what, that's what's going on. So today we start our uh, Advent season, our, our uh, time of Christmas, believe it or not. Thanksgiving was two days ago, three days ago, and we are already lighting candles and talking about uh, a baby being born and and uh, this idea today, as Alicia and Charlotte mentioned, of hope. Boy, could we all use some hope in the world today, am I right? Um, so today we're going to talk about, our. Uh, my first scripture comes from Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 10 and 11. And it, it, this is what the angel said. Don't be afraid, for I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And so my challenge today, uh, for me and for all of us, and for the next four weeks, or five weeks, or whenever we get to Christmas Day, uh, another month, um, is to, what, to pray that we can learn and hear this good news, this message of hope in new ways. Because it's something that most of, of us have heard our entire life or most of our life. It's something that we hear, uh, you know, for the next month, we'll hear over and over and over again. And it's just human nature to take something we hear, the same story over and over again, and kind of just let it go whoop, like that. Like, the Savior's born. Jesus, can, Jesus was born in a manger, you know, like, oh, that sounds exciting. <laughs> like, there's some, th this is good news, right? So, as we are at this time of Advent, someone during our Bible study, we started um, our Monday night Bible study, 7 o'clock on Zoom. Um, uh, we started uh, an Advent Bible study last week. Great, wonderful. And someone, it was really a great question. Someone emailed me the next day and said, I, I don't even know what, ad, what does that word mean, Advent. You know, it's one of these churchy words we throw around and sometimes we don't even know what that means. But it means the time of preparation, the time to prepare for the coming celebration of the birth of the Savior of the world. And so that's what we're called to do from now uh, through Christmas. And to be honest with you, is what we're called to do every day. Um, I'm so happy Charlotte's here, aren't you all? <laughs> it's not the same when Charlotte's watching on YouTube. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get that. Um, so the word Advent actually is defined as the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. We do use it in our normal life. We'll say like the advent of a new technology, the advent of television, or the advent of the internet age, or something like that. But we are talking about the expectation and the coming arrival of, of a person, of a savior, of a baby born uh, in a manger over 2,000 years ago. And here's the thing. 
This is not just good news. This is very, very, very good news. Very good news. So we use um, the word gospel a lot, right? We're, we're called, we're encouraged to share the gospel and so forth. Um, and we all know what the word, what does the word gospel mean? Good news, right? But again, it's not, as far as what I'm trying to say today, it's not just good news. It's good news. And it is what should permeate us as believers in Christ. Um, and so instead of just falling into uh, the idea of tradition and, oh, I've heard that story, I'm going to check out, really pray and really try to hear the story over and over again. Because to be honest with you, it is a jaw-dropping reality that has hopefully transformed all of us or will transform those who are here or those who are listening um, soon. We don't want to just glaze over this. We want to pay attention and, and to it. So this very good news is the hope, as our candle was lit, in the hope of the world. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the gospel, as we said, means good news. It comes from... Pastor Steve used to joke that I spoke Greek because I always would steal, I would Google it and figure out how to say it. So I won't even say the Greek word right. So for all the Greek scholars here or watching online, sorry for butchering this word. But the Greek word is euangelion, which I just said Italian, but that's, that's for you, Tony. That's for you. All right. <laughs> You're like, Greek words sounds like they are next to each other in Europe. So, um, But that literally means good, good news. And in the New Testament, the authors of the New Testament use the word gospel to mean the news of salva salvation, liberation from sin, liberation and freedom from broken, brokenness, and changing this estrangement we have from God. So it, that is good news. It's what God has done through Jesus Christ, sending his only son, his life, his birth, which we're celebrating now, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Um, so this is, as far as I'm concerned, this is the best and the most important news that we could ever hear. It's the most life-changing news we could ever share um, with anybody else. So when, when we're encouraged to share the gospel, we're sharing what? Good news. Very, very, thank you, Donna. Very, very good news. So this baby that we're talking about, that we're celebrating in a month, born in a manger, born in a cave, in the most humble of circumstances, um, what is what does this baby mean to us? What does this good news, this gospel, mean to us? So just very quickly, right? Who is Jesus? That baby is the Christ. He's our Savior, he's our Lord, and he's our King. We did a different Bible study on that with all the different names of Jesus, and he is all of those different things. He is our Savior, he is our Lord, and our King. What has Jesus done? What did he do during his life for us? Well, he lived his life in a way to model how we should live. He encouraged us to live in a certain way that would please God. He called us back to God, no matter how far away we were from him. And he died on the cross and rose from the dead 
to pave the way for our salvation. That is good news. So why did Jesus do this? This is great. This is better than when I teach a class where I, you know, sometimes it's dead silence. and This is great. So love. She said love. Right. Why did he do this? He did this because he loves us. He wants to be in right relationship with us. He wants to forgive our sins and bestow upon us the benefits of salvation. It's good news. How do we know it's true? It, because we believe, because we have faith, because it fulfills all the Old Testament prophecies. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there are other scholars who have studied the percentages of the possibilities of all those prophecies being fulfilled in one person, and it's astronomical. Um, And we have eyewitnesses to his resurrection, hundreds. It's a proven historical fact. Um, And how are we supposed to respond to that? We're supposed to come to him in faith, in repentance, turning away from our former life and turning to God and living a life of faith that he's called us to. So in today's world, it's very hard to, um, to not try to put our faith in the things around us, right? I have something I want to read to you. I'm gonna pl- I, I just thought of this a minute ago, so that's why I'm pulling out my phone. I'm not texting anybody, um, but we'll talk about that in a second. So listen to this quote. People, this is talking about society in general. It doesn't necessarily have to be ours anywhere in the world. People and children have bad manners. They have contempt for authority. They show disrespect for elders and love to chatter and gossip. They, have no, they no longer rise when an older person enters a room. They contradict their parents and tyrannize their boss or their teachers. Now, that sounds like our world, right? That was written, five, that was written 500 years before Jesus was born by Socrates. So don't think this is just a current problem, right? So... The world needed a savior in 470 B.C. and in 2022 A.D. So um, in today's world, it's so easy to put our hope in ourselves and in our institutions and in our technology and our ability to figure things out. We We joke, right? If you can figure something out, what's the first thing you do if you don't know how to do something? Google. And if, if that doesn't work, what's the second thing? That is another company owned by Google. YouTube, thank you very much. You can do anything, right? You basically can figure anything out. So think about this for a second. Right now, we have the entirety, basically, of the, of the entire human information and knowledge in this little device that fits in your back pocket, right? Or in your purse. You can demand information in an instant. So listen to this. There are right now, there's, there's 2.3 billion um, pages on the internet at the moment. 2.3 billion. That's a lot. There are, Google processes 40,000 searches every second around the world. 40,000 searches every, that's, that's three, three and a half billion a day. If you count other search engines and things like that, voice search and stuff, you know, Siri or Alexa. Let's see if it goes off. Siri. Um, That would be 5 billion searches a day. Um, Users watch 
4,146,000 YouTube videos every minute of the day. Maybe to fix stuff, right? And try to figure out how to build stuff too. So listen to this. There, you know how many Facebook users there are in the world? Three billion. There's only seven point something billion people in the world, right? Uh, every minute there are 500,000 comments on um, Facebook, we had a few last week when the sound was out, but <laughs> we were trying. Um, and, uh, and every minute, people send 16 million text messages around the world. Um, now, we also live in a world of Amazon, right? When is that package supposed to arrive? How many days? One day is, because we live close to the distribution, so now two days is like archaic. Like, why would I wait two days? Right? We want one day, maybe the same day even, right? Um, so, so here's the deal. Good or bad or indifferent is, is not what I'm worried about here. It's that we live in a world where we expect instant gratification, right? We expect, and by the way, this, these statistics are not just, don't think these are all just teenagers and young adults. <laughs> This is everybody, so whatever age you, know, you might fall into. So here's the thing. Many people, it's easy to put your hope in those things, right? But our hope remains in that little baby that we're going to celebrate in a month that was born in a manger, um, that was sent in the world for each of us, even though we didn't deserve it, yes. right? Even though we didn't deserve it. So Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own, his, own, his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank the Lord, right? That we don't have to live perf perfectly. This is the hope of the gospel. This is the hope of the gospel. That we, there is good news that the baby born in the manger 2,000 years ago has for us uh, today. So now, because of this, we have this relationship with the Father. And what kind of relationship is that? Um, you know, that we talked about this a little bit in our Bible study, Monday nights at 7 o'clock on Zoom. Um, but we, um, it's a great group of people, it really is. Um, and we talked about this, that there's, in the, in the, in the New Testament, there's a, there's a different Greek word used uh, for Father, and it's Abba. What does Abba mean? It means dad or daddy even, right? <clears throat> so the word Abba is Aramaic, and it means father, and it's, um, it, it's here's the difference. It's not distant, strict, um, unapproachable father. It's daddy. It's affectionate. Con you're confident. You trust. That's what that word means, and that's why the specific authors of the New Testament use that word. It signifies, Abba, Abba, however you want to say it, Daddy signifies the close, intimate relationship of a father and his child that he loves, um, as well as the childlike trust that the child puts in the father. And so here's where... Uh, the word Abba is mentioned, Daddy is mentioned in Scripture. Mark 14, 36... Uh, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, Abba, Daddy, Father, he cried out, everything is possible, possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And again, thank you, Lord, for um, staying on that cross for us. Romans 8, 15. 
says, um, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Daddy, Father. So we don't need to fear him. We need to respect him and love him and trust him um, as our daddy. Galatians 4, 6 says, um, uh, talks about how out of love we can cry out to him when we call him Abba or Daddy. It says, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Daddy, Abba, Father. So we are adopted children. And we're not, you know, we're not pushed into the side room. Don't bother me, right? We have full rights and responsibilities. Our father is the king. He's the creator. He loves us enough to send his own son to die for us while, while we were perfect. Thank you. You're right. Sinners. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is the hope of Christmas. This is the good news of the gospel. Um, is that because of what Jesus did for us, nothing we did to earn this, um, that we have, uh, we're able to be adopted into God's own family and, as true children of the Father and that we come into right, right relationship with God. It's also the foundational relationship we have with others. Right? It's how we... Uh, we learn to love others. It's how people see the Christ through us, right? How do we treat others? How do we treat those who aren't that nice to us? How do we treat our enemies? Um, love one another as he loved us. John 13, 34, uh, 35. I'm going to have to do this because I didn't write this one down. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is the argument. This is what separates those who follow Christ because they, they love each other in a way that does not make sense. It's a, it's a direct outworking of the gospel. In Isaiah 61, we're called to be different with people around us. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says... <clears throat> Jesus quoted this actually during his ministry when he started his public ministry. It's the first, when he went into the synagogue, he opened the scroll and read this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. That is our calling. As we fall deeper and deeper in love with our dad, with our father, with our Abba, he continues to show his love for us. We outpour that to others. Others benefit from us and others see this in us. Um, we know that our salvation comes through the work of Jesus Christ so that none of us can boast. And if we declare with our mouth, as it says in Romans 10, 9, that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Those are, those are his words. So the meaning of Christmas, the meaning of our hope, the meaning of our good news and its significance, it's a gift from God. We, we have a tradition, right? We give gifts at Christmas time, and that's great. 
it's fun, um, but this is the greatest gift ever given. And um, it is a proclamation. His actions were a proclamation of forgiveness of our sins, reconciliation uh, with God. It's, um, it's, through, it's the instrument through which the Holy Spirit works because we celebrate this Christmas every day. Um, it's a gift from God, the best gift we could ever receive or give. It's unmerited, undeserved favor. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from, your, from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Thank God for that. Yes, and, and so as we live this life with our, with our Abba, with our Father, um, we, we, we can um, be confident that he loves us because he sent his son. What else could he do to show us that he loves us that much that while we were still sinners, he sent his son uh, to die for us? And it's because of this grace. You know, grace can be defined as like an undeserved gift unmerited favor um, this is our hope our hope is in that in in this grace this christmas season and our hope is in grace um, always it's simply through his mercy that we've been restored in right relationship with god and and through his um, this is the good news and the gospel of grace this is how Men and women are made righteous. Romans 3.24 says, All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Um, I, one thing I encourage this Christmas season, you know, Jesus, before he uh, began his public ministry, he went out in the desert. He spent time with God. We talked about this. We just did a Bible study Monday night 7 on Zoom. Um, that um, that uh, about prayer. When Jesus, before he picked his 12 disciples, this is God himself. He went and spent the entire night by himself out praying. And think about that. We all talked about that. What would, first of all, Jesus is God. So one could, one could debate whether he even needed to do that, right? Because he knows. Um, number two, but what a great example. And we all talked about like, oh, I would fall asleep or my mind would be, you know lost in about five minutes and you know that sort of thing but i encourage myself and all of us this christmas season to to go out into your desert you know go into your wherever you go <laughs> your little room your your basement your backyard wherever you're gonna your car wherever you can be by yourself with god and search you know wrestle talk with god listen to him um learn Ask him to, to reveal himself to you in new um, and special ways. And, um, you know, understand his grace. Just if, if all you do is sit there and just, and just um, yeah, just rest in that grace and meditate on his grace and his love for us. Um, the, the, there was a British uh, author, uh, Julian of Norwich, who said, the greatest honor we can give Almighty God is to live gladly because of the knowledge of his love. The greatest, knowledge we can, the greatest honor we can give Almighty God is to live gladly because of the knowledge of his love. 
Um, because we know, as it says in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The lost deserve God's wrath. We all do. To be sought, as Luke 19.10 says, he came to seek and save the lost. To be sought is to be pursued by God's love. To be saved is to be rescued by God's grace through God's Son in his love and to his glory. So Pastor David Cassidy, who's, who, um, uh, you know, I, I read some things he's written and, and I found this interesting. He said, God is not disillusioned with you. He has no illusions to begin with. He knows we're not perfect. That's why Jesus had to come. And he who loved us as we are won't leave us the way we are. The grace that justifies and adopts is the, also the grace that sanctifies, keeps, and glorifies. So let's rejoice in that. Um, Romans 8, 1 th through 3 talks about there is no condemnation in Christ. Therefore, Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are, are in Christ because Christ Jesus uh, and because of Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Amen. Another pastor, his name is Jared Wilson, um, he wrote, he, he posed a scenario I want you just to think and pause and think about for a second. He said, when you're sitting alone and thinking about your life, the mistakes we've all made in the past, any, any um, uh, you know, sin we've committed, any words we wish we didn't say. You ever have a conversation with someone and then start saying, ooh, I should have said this, I shouldn't have said that. We all do that, right? Um, we have regrets about the past. We have a, does anyone have any worries about the future? Anybody? <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but, <laughs> but it is. Do we have any worries, any fear, any anxiety about today, tomorrow, the next day? We all do, right? We're not sure sometimes how we can keep going, right? If Jesus comes in and enters and joins us, and it's just the two of us, you and Jesus, me and Jesus, what's his attitude, right? What do we picture Jesus as when he walks in and we're, 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 we're in that desert and we're contemplating our past and our present and our future, and we're a little regretful about the past or a lot regretful about the past, we're not so sure, we're thrilled with the present, and we're worried about the future. And when you see his face, what's his face towards us? And I want to just encourage us that grace is found in Christ alone. All other solutions, all the technology, all the medical advances, all of those things are wonderful. Um, and, you know, all the future situations that we're not sure about, the demands that may be on us, um, you know, all the things we're worried about, and yet we're, we are with the same Jesus who when he was on that cross, some of, his last, some of his last words were, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. If he, at any time, he needed to, be upset, right? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. So grace alone is crucial to understanding that baby that we're going to celebrate. 
And what is his disposition towards us? Do we see grace and mercy and kindness and forgiveness? Because, we're, I'm going to read from Romans 2.4, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Don't, Romans 2.4, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's because of his kindness that we, we live a certain way and we repent. He may discipline us, of course. There certainly may be consequences for sin, of course. But in Christ there is no condemnation. And he goes on to say, God's grace is greater than my disobedience. It's also greater than my obedience. Think about that for a second. God's grace is greater than my disobedience, but it's also greater than my obedience. Therefore, I will bank everything on his grace. So we're talking about um, justification by grace through faith. We're going to close in, in a second. Um, there's uh, one, one of my uh, favorite authors is, uh, is a guy named G.K. Chesterton. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him, but he used to talk, he used a phrase which I think is really important as we talk about Christmas, the furious love of God. And what that means is this is not just a blah, you know, this is a passionate, furious, active love enough to send this son to die for us in the way he did. So another author, Madison Engel, wrote, we do not draw people to Christ by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want it with all their hearts to know the source of it. And so my prayer this Christmas is that we can live in a way that this light, this Jesus, this grace, this relationship with our Father is so bright that um, everyone will want to know what's going on with you. And everyone will want a piece of that. So I have a, um, a short video to, uh, to show to end. And this is really a, um, this is more of a Good Friday or an Easter video. And I, I chose it deliberately because if all we do is talk about the baby being born and how great that is, but we don't talk about the end, which isn't the end, it's really the beginning, but we talk about the, the death and, and, and the, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, um, then the birth is, it doesn't have the significance that it does. Um, what, what this video shows is um, the importance of grace, unmerited favor. So if you, if you all don't mind playing that, we'll see what happens, right? Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross we could turn to that way ourselves up. all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. 
Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense, I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you, were, you, were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You'd never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said, you know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because I, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, uh, did you, excuse me, let me get my supervisor. Think I'll get the supervisor angel. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of Scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. <laughs> now, now, that's the... That is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross, I can then give only lip service to its efficacy, while at the same time living as if my salvation depends upon me, okay, and as good. soon as you go there, it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance. I think that's and good. it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair. All right, so let's, this Christmas, let's rely not on our own strength, but on his strength. Let's be the people God called us to be through the grace and the mercy of his salvation through Jesus Christ. Um, let's try to spend time finding something new and different about Christmas as we prepare. Let's pray as the praise team comes up. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of being here. Thank you for this group of believers. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for dying on the cross with us, Lord, that you gave your life so that we, unearned, can find relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, that you call us um, into your family as adopted children. Thank you that you um, encourage us because through your Holy Spirit to call you Abba, Father, Daddy, Thank you for this upcoming season, Lord. May you open our hearts and our minds and our souls to a new understanding, a new source of uh, a sense of joy and hope that can only come from you, Lord God. May people see that joy, that light that we're talking about 
in simply how we live, how we talk, how we act, how we celebrate this, um, this Jesus. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.
life, the ups and downs. Joy comes from a consistent and focused relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. I'm about to close out here. I'm going to turn it back over to Kathy. And she's going to... I don't know what she's going to do. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Aren't you? Do you know anyone who's living this level of life? Joy unspeakable. Full of joy. Do you know anyone? How do we live a focused life in Christ? Verse 14, and then I'm, I think I'm done. Kathy, is that okay? <laughs> John 15, verse 14. Watch this. You are my friends if you do what I command. God expects our obedience. He expects it. He doesn't just want us to obey. He demands that we obey. Wow. What kind of life are you living? It is a, is a life that counts. Is Jesus Christ the focus of your life? That means that everything you do centers around him. Everything. I'll close with this one sentence. Christianity, a Christian, disciple, follower of Jesus, is not a part-time life a sometime life. It is not. It's an all-time life. It's a surrendered life. Giving up of self. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, that is the cry of our hearts this morning. Your people calling. In repentance, forgive us of our self-righteousness, of our pride, of our disobedience, a selfish life that, Lord, we come before you this morning with one desire upon our hearts, and that's living a focused life in you and through you. Lord, I pray, and this is a bold prayer, whatever it takes, Lord, in the life of your people, professing Christians, your church, whatever it takes to bring us to our knees. and live 
a life centered on you. Put it before us, Lord. Put it before us. And in making that statement, I see one person. I see Jesus Christ. And then I see the power of the Holy Spirit working upon those that are within the sound of these words, this prayer, whether it be in this building or online. Specifically, people online. You're welcome in the house of the Lord. Don't make him a life of convenience. God is calling us to be one in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves within those that have been listening, those that have ears to hear. And the Holy Spirit moves them before your throne, on their knees, in repentance. and a desire to abide, to remain in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please stand, respond to how God has spoken to you this morning, whether you be here physically or you're visiting us online. There are people online that will respond to you in prayer, information giving. Whatever it may, you may need in your life this morning, you can find it in Christ Jesus. Kathy?